0: Hey everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree podcast, episode 36. Boom. Boom. We have got a lot going on on this episode tonight, Shane, and I am very excited about it. To start, we have Sarah Nicole Landry, better known as The Birds Papaya, who is huge on Instagram. I don't know many women who don't know her. We got her on tonight.
1: Even my buddies won't shut up about her.
0: Well, there you go. (laughs) I like how involved your buddies are in uh, this side of the internet.
1: The body positivity movement.
0: There you go. And uh, we speak to Ashley Klassen, a photographer that took photos of me for Mother Muse magazine, who's going to give us some tips for all the pregnant mamas or just anybody who wants to take professional-looking photos to commemorate something during this quarantine. And then we have... One of my favorite all-time calls, because it is just such a sign of the times. We talked to a listener, Alessia, and she got married last weekend in quarantine.
1: I found that very fascinating.
0: I know, I know. It's such a great conversation, and I'm excited to share it with all of you, the listeners. Shane, how are you tonight?
1: Well, you know it's a big podcast because I just took a shower, and (laughs) it's a podcast, so, you know, why would you shower for it? But we do film, as you always say, these for the promos. Right? I
0: was going to ask you why you were showering now.
1: It does help me to feel clean mm-hmm. when I'm recording because I do, you know me, what gets itchy on my body?
0: <laughs> I think anybody could ask uh, their husband, boyfriend, any man in their house. Your balls, right?
1: Alex, no. Oh. <laughs> No, what? no, <laughs> I was going to say my skin, I have itchy skin and you're always itching my back at night. I,
0: I am always itching your back at night. You do have an itchy back.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it's like I'm allergic to dust or whatever it is, but I find I'm even like, I'm an itchy guy, as <laughs> you know, I itch everywhere, but my, my back does tend to get the itchiest. And I find I'm needing to shower to feel comfortable.
0: But you have tinea, right? That's what it's called? Yeah. And does showering help ease the itch?
1: It does. Feeling clean just helps ease the mm. itch. But I felt like this was an important podcast. It is. Because I know you're a big fan of Sarah. Mm-hmm. And in turn, I became a big fan because when something's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to me. Hell yeah. I got to see special glasses that we're drinking Heineken what's, what's, 0.
0: 0.0. What's on yours?
1: Mine has triple X's, which is suitable for the the way your uh, mouth has been going. Talking balls already?
0: Well, hey. But yeah, I'm glad that you're feeling clean. I'm glad that you're feeling less itchy. You no know, ball or back itching for the duration of the pod.
1: But I had a non-alcoholic beer question. Okay. So we are drinking Heineken 0.0. 0 and if you've never listened to the podcast, you won't know that typically... Alex and I are drinking non-alcoholic beer. And Coors Edge is our favorite. Mm -hmm. We're drinking 0.0 right now because Coors Edge, of course, is out at our local Fortinos. But my question to you is, on the last pod, you brought up the benefits of drinking non-alcoholic beer. It can serve as just as good of a relaxant as normal beer. And it can also help you out as a workout recovery. Yes. And I was wondering... To be able to have the relaxing effects be the same as a normal beer, do you have to have drank beer your entire life to, to trick your brain?
0: See, and I think we are only equating it to relaxing effects because we sit here at the end of the day and it's a relaxing time for us. But I think that whatever you would equate normal beer to, even if you haven't had it before, but it's just the mindset that you get in, and you kind of saying, okay, brain, we're having this kind of beer, it could be exciting, it could be relaxing, it could make you more loquacious, it could make you more you know, willing to do something silly.
1: For the dumber listeners, not myself included, what does loquacious mean?
0: Very talkative.
1: Ah, I knew that.
0: But it's <laughs> you know for other people. I, I, I didn't know... That. What it meant, I probably did, but I hadn't heard anybody use it in conversation until you and I were in Hawaii, and you were on business all night, like at a work party. And I was partying in the hotel club with these rich businessmen. And I was, you know, kind of in the bag. And then one goes to me, goes, you're quite loquacious, aren't you?
1: Oh, like, they were trying to impress you so they could bed you, Alex.
0: Well, they didn't. Because guess who I went home with?
1: Me? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that because I had to sneak Alex on a business trip to Hawaii. Uh, The details of why (laughs) I won't get into, but it's quite a long story. And I was with uh, some of my coworkers, I'll call them. uh, And they didn't know that I brought, I snuck my wife on the trip. So Alex comes back from this bar where she was loquatianing it up. (laughs) And she just stumbles into the elevator as i 'm with my coworkers and we're getting ready to go to our rooms and These people had no idea I was married by the way. Uh, these people I 'm calling my coworkers, I had just met them on this trip, and we start making out in the elevator <laughs> and these guys just thought I was like the ultimate player because Alex is quite attractive and blonde, and uh you know at the pr- at time she wasn't pregnant or anything, so she uh, well
0: my my sh- my skirt was quite short that night. I remember what I wore.
1: Yeah, so I just felt pretty cool for just picking up a babe within seconds of her walking into the elevator.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't so uh, mommish at the time. No,
1: you're not mommish now. You just got a bit well, of a I... pot belly.
0: <laughs> this is an eight month pregnant belly.
1: Well, you don't grow big belly. So some people, to look at you, they might just think you had a little bit of a pot, which, as Pulp Fiction points out, there's nothing wrong was, with that.
0: No. Wear a shirt two sizes too small to accentuate it. Which I have been doing lately, and I've been pretty pumped up about this warm weather because I finally can.
1: Do your Pulp Fiction imitation. I set you up perfectly. You were doing it the other day, and now you're just like...
0: A little pot, a wear shirt, two sizes too small, too accentuated. That was good. (laughs) Thank you. But yeah, I think that getting back to the non-alcoholic beer, it's just, you know, your brain responding to, I'm not scientific friends, but... Dopamines? Is it dopamine?
1: (laughs) That's not not that scientific of a word.
0: I don't even know if it's dopamine, though, or serotonin. I don't know. The feel-good stuff in your brain gets released and endorphins. It all gets released when you drink something, whether it's alcoholic or a non-alcoholic beer or spritzer or wine or something and you still get the same reaction from your brain
1: so if you've never had alcohol once in your entire life right and then you have a non-alcoholic beer you will get that similar effect it's not a requirement for you to have once had alcoholic beer to know.
0: as far as i've read i think it's just you kind of telling your brain this is a special time and this is kind of a naughty drink even though all the naughtiness has been taken out of it this is going to give me Make me feel like I'm one of the other people drinking, even though I'm secretly not.
1: Because I'm on a health app called Noom, where I kind of count my calories. And I'll eat, like, lean ground beef. And, and any time I type it into the log, it'll be like, oh, be careful, Shane. But when I type in Coors Edge, it's like, smart choice. Way to go. <laughs> and I always feel so good. It doesn't even feel naughty in the sense that the calories are high, because it's only 45 calories.
0: Yeah, You
1: know what I mean? So, it literally, it has no alcohol. Not under fifty calories. It's the perfect drink, and it relaxes you like you're drinking real alcohol.
0: And it tastes better than a regular Coors or yeah. Coors Banquet, Coors Light, whatever. It's it's actually delicious.
1: It's the official, unofficial sponsor of this Family Tree podcast. If
0: only they'd recognize us back, Shane. I want to ask you something that I've been feeling maybe a little bit this week.
1: Itchy uh, vagina since- wise. <laughs>
0: That's actually uh, not a topic that I was going to bring up tonight, but I'll save that for the uh, weird things that happen in pregnancy episode.
1: Does but, that actually happen?
0: Oh my God. I have the itchiest vulva.
1: Oh, so, <laughs> so I was right. You can just say yes.
0: Yes, and, but it's not about that. I wasn't going to bring that up. Okay. Uh, in the past couple days, I have been feeling like you may have been annoyed with me and I've been in a good mood. So are, does my good mood ever annoy you first thing in the morning or during no. your work No.
1: Here, here's what annoys me. When you're trying to be in a good mood because you think I'm in a bad mood when I'm not in a bad mood, and then you will look at me for an odd amount of time, and I know this is a podcast and people can't see me, but you'll get up in my face and you'll just be like, hi. <laughs> and you'll make, like, happy faces. I'm
0: trying... I'm trying to search your soul for so it's any like, reasons. It's like
1: ten minutes into the day, and you're like, "Something's off today. What is it?" And you, I'm like, "Nothing. Like nothing." Sometimes I just need to have a coffee, and yeah. I'm not. I'm not upset at all. But then, if like, let's say I'm off the walls happy for the next five hours after that ten-minute thing where you thought I was unhappy, and then at dinner time, I'm I drop a glass, and I go, "Oh shit." You'll be like, what's with you today? No, You've been I, off all day. I'm like, I no, I haven't. It's that. been maybe accumulatively 15 minutes that I've had a bad mood, but the rest, I've been so happy.
0: No way. And I know you're accusing me of that because that that did happen. But there were a few times throughout that day where I thought that you were off.
1: I don't think. So I, just,
0: I was I was just I was asking out of concern. I wasn't upset or annoyed. I know
1: why you're asking. <laughs> but what I'm saying is your concern isn't valid And I don't think you are good at perceiving my emotions the way I'm good at perceiving your emotions. Would you agree with that?
0: Right. I definitely agree with that. Uh, I can't hide my emotions. They're written all over my face and everything I say. And there's just, I'm an open book. Like you look at me Mm -hmm. and I think that you can just tell what I'm feeling.
1: Well, here's the problem with me. I am a highly irritable person. But I'm also a very happy person. Mm -hmm. So those are funny things to be juxtaposed. (laughs) Juxtaposed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can't say... Again, Like I know I can't say words. I try to say them. Juxtaposed.
0: Juxtaposed.
1: Okay, it's hard for me to say something. So those are interesting things to be juxtaposed together. So you misread that and think, oh, if I happen to... You know, be like shit in the first 10 minutes of the day you'll blanket that and say oh this day's a write off Shane's unhappy and then you'll put on this Guy Smiley routine where you'll double down on how happy you are almost to the point of annoyance
0: who's Guy Smiley
1: Guy Smiley I believe is a Sesame Street character or something it's a puppet who is a news reporter on a children's show and Guy Smiley is like referred to when somebody's like being phony I guess yeah
0: <laughs> It's not phony. I just want to make sure you're good so we can get on with our day in a happy way. And so I don't
1: keep doing the things
0: that annoy you. I appreciate you commenting on my rapping skills, unintentional, Mm -hmm. as they may be. So you're not annoyed, bottom line. Uh,
1: Don't misread me. I am annoyed (laughs) with you trying to overly cheer me up to the point of like pandering or patronizing or whatever the correct word is there
0: oh yeah okay I was babying you a little bit so I can understand yeah that. And, that,
1: the, and here's the thing too you do know that that irritates me when you get right up in my face
0: because well, it's irritating to not have the reactions to things when I when I want a reaction to something like a happy reaction or for you for you to be like oh yeah this is a great morning and you
1: don't then but that's not me why would you want me to not be myself I'm not a I, reactive person the way you are
0: but you are sometimes and if you're especially not like even a couple i'd say half notch below what you normally are then it's kind of fun to just be like "Ooh, what's wrong shaney boy and kind of bug you so okay. that you can react in some way
1: well my reaction is to be more annoyed <laughs> than i was before
0: all right so shane a couple podcasts ago we were talking about what we've been watching in quarantine And kind of rating the shows or the movies that we've seen. Yeah. So have we seen anything lately that you think is worth talking about?
1: Yeah. You know we have.
0: I know we have. What is it? You say it. Too hot to handle?
1: Oh, no. I was going to say Dave.
0: Oh, Dave is great. Start with Dave.
1: So Dave is the show... Starring Lil Dicky, who's a rapper, and it's an autobiographical—not scripted—but it's a scripted show. Him.
0: If you don't know Lil Dicky, check out Pillow Talk. Just type in Lil Dicky Pillow Talk, and it's such a good example of like what he does. But go on.
1: And it's just—it's about how he kind of became popular through the internet and going viral, which is all true. And then he became one of the top rappers, even though he does kind of comedic raps. And it's about his very interesting plight through the industry, and he's kind of like a Woody Allen esque character, Very David. Yeah, yeah. It's actually produced by the same guy who produced *Curb Your Enthusiasm*.
0: So we were saying it's kind of like *Curb Your Enthusiasm* mixed with you said Atlanta, mixed with something else. There was something Entourage. Else in this. Entourage. Yeah, it is. It's very cool. Very worth checking out as far as actual good quality TV goes, and then. As far as watchable, bingeable, fall asleep to it, not quality but still fun TV goes, we like Too Hot to Handle.
1: Yeah, I liked it for sure. It
0: was very hilarious. But I like trash
1: TV and I watch it, you know, different way. I'm sure a lot of people watch it this way where you're kind of making fun of the show and you're doing commentary along with it. It's a different type of viewing experience than than a show like Dave, but it's still... Just as fun, just in a different way.
0: You need a little bit of balance. That's
1: yeah, trash, fun trash TV. It's like candy. You wouldn't want to watch it all the time, but
0: one hundred percent, especially with Too Hot to Handle. So the premise is just that.
1: No, well, not Dave's. Like I, th- I find Dave to be an artistic show. I don't find Dave. To oh, one hundred percent.
0: I'm saying Too Hot to Handle's candy, especially because it's like you can consider them eye candy. It's all the premise of the show revolves around just finding these like real hot fit you know typically hot people throwing them on an island and And, they're all sexed up
1: and the twist is that they're not allowed to have intercourse with each other they not allowed
0: to touch
1: they can't touch well they can they can't kiss they can't do anything sexual or they get money taken out of their prize
0: yeah and it's it's really weird like there's a lot of faults in this show again it's not quality tv but it is fun to watch and it's funny because like even though I'm sitting here in a seven and a half month pregnant belly and I'm feeling so uncomfortable and would just love so much to get back to my regular self because even breathing is a challenge right now. I didn't have a hard time watching just all these hot people on the screen. Like it was it was just kind of a funny experience. And uh, I'm, I'm screwing this up. We got to cut this little part here.
1: No, sir. What, what what is the point you're trying to get to here?
0: Pooping is a great equalizer.
1: Oh, I I, I discuss. <laughs> so okay, Alex. Just because I don't want to cut this, Alex has been trying to work in a bit where she talks about how even when hot people poop, it, no, no,
0: it's it's when you're seeing somebody that is like, you know, maybe you're envious of or something on tv or somebody that's famous or on instagram and you know you see all these people on too hot to handle and they're trying so hard to just seem so perfect and not only is their body perfect but they won't even put their face in a certain way because they don't want to ruin the duck face look and they just try so hard to do all these things and when people do that the only thing that i like to do to make myself feel more comfortable because picturing them naked, people always say, oh, just picture them naked. You'll feel more comfortable. can't do that because then picturing them naked, they're all just real good looking. So it just exacerbates everything. So what I do is I just picture all these very perfect people pooping. (laughs) I I think I'm bringing this up because I want to know if other people do this too. Because it's people put up such a front like their shit don't stink and they don't you know, have these natural functions that everybody else does and they're just like this otherworldly being. You see so many people on Instagram trying to pull this persona off. And as I'm scrolling through, I don't, you know, dislike anything. I still love their photos, whatever. You do you. But I always just like to think, ah, you still take poops like the rest of us.
1: I see. I I think women have gotten to a point, even hot women, where they're admitting they take shits. Not. Almost like... Yeah,
0: but no, but... I don't think, like, those hangover poops, you know? Okay,
1: Alex. This is is ridiculous. This is so ridiculous.
0: Cut this part. Cut this part.
1: No, no, no. A hangover poops?
0: (laughs) 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 Do you know what I mean, though?
1: I guess. Like, this seems very specific to you, but maybe there's people who... Just, are relating
0: maybe maybe they pictured different things but i just like to know that we all have the same kind of days right. sometimes but alex
1: i also i didn't think the people on the show like i know they were hot but i didn't think they uh, any of the women were any less hot than you
0: and i don't think that any of the guys were less hot than you but it still doesn't change the fact that everybody's putting that persona out there like they are okay. so beyond the regular see person. i kind of
1: like the show because they were they were Some of them were British and a bit cheeky, and they kind of used language that was a little less proper. And I thought they were kind of more real than you might suspect on yeah. sh- compared to other shows like even The Bachelor. Oh, and th- this is a trashier version of that show, but the people were, on this show were kind of more real.
0: Speaking of shows, we are about to make a call to Sarah Nicole Landry, better known as The Bird's Papaya. She is a big proponent in the body acceptance movement, and I've been following her ever since I got started on social media. So I am very excited to make this call.
1: All right. Without further ado, let's get to that call. Hello?
0: Hi. Is Sarah there?
1: Uh, Who? Sarah? No, there's no Sarah here. Oh, I'm sorry. You have a good one. Yeah. Yeah, don't problem by <laughs> All right. A lot of build up for uh, that. Okay. Let's see the number.
0: Hi, this is Sarah speaking. Hi, Sarah. This is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, I'm so glad. How's my audio? Do I sound okay for you guys? Yeah, you sound it great. sounds
1: perfect. We were a little scared when we, <laughs> <laughs> we called before and it was a man with a very deep voice, and we were like, uh oh. <laughs>
2: I
0: saw that, yeah, she had mixed my numbers up just a little bit, so I'm glad I caught that. That Oh, no problem. Yeah, no, it's it's perfect, but we are so happy to have you on today. Uh, I've been following you for a couple years now when I first started getting into social media myself, and you've always just been such an inspiration and so much fun to follow. So we gave the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do in the intro, but one thing that is pressing that we want to ask you just off the top, because Mm -hmm. you are such a big person in the body positive community. Mm -hmm. And it's a hot button topic. It is Mm -hmm. unclear in a lot of ways to a lot of people, including me and Shane, I think. And we just want to know, what is your view on body, body positivity being such an important person in the movement?
2: Well, it's funny because I actually don't even love the word body positivity. I don't love those words because I think that they gr- they create this false narrative that says that if you're body positive, you're going to feel positive about your body, which is just like all other forms of toxic positivity. It is laced with dismissive narratives for your feelings, and and the fact is that most of us, even in the space of trying to create some normalcy to what is normal for our bodies when we're stepping in front of the mirror every day i don't know that there i don't know that the overwhelming amount of days is that i feel positive and amazing about my body it's more the fact that i've started to look at my body as a pillar of who i am but not mm-hmm. all of who i am so i just have thought of my body less but i do think that it's important to create two different types of discussions around e- even if we're going to use the words body positivity because there is two streams of it, almost, right? There's one that is, you know, self-esteem issues when women are struggling with their postpartum bodies or with weight gain or coming out of eating disorder recovery and things like that. There's a lot of different streams that go down that route, which is a lot of body acceptance and learning learning through that thing. On the other side of it, there's also, A human rights issue which is Mm -hmm. a lot of women and men who are existing in larger bodies they do not get proper health care they do not get the same sort of societal you know privileges that so many of us walk around with they're not even allowed to shop in the same stores as us we've segregated entire communities of people because of their size and it's just creating a shame cycle for them that is even worse because it actually Contributes to um, weight gain. So there's just so, there's two like entirely different subjects, even within this one subject. And I think for me, where I kind of land in that is just wanting to be somebody that now understands that your body will kind of ebb and flow with life. Mm -hmm. But what does it mean to show up no matter what? And how can we show up for ourselves? no matter what and can we look at self-love not as an emotion but as an action and and what does that look like
1: so for you what does that look like how do you show up for yourself
2: oh a lot of it comes through uh pushing through some of those negative thoughts you know but if i'm going to the beach with my kids formerly my entire thought process around that would be in not going and how can i avoid going and how can i not show up and how am i going to avoid getting in the water or having to be in a swimsuit, which really removes me from the opportunity to exist with my kids and Mm -hmm. exist in those memories with them. So it is kind of going over the hurdle of, you know what, I don't feel the best about my body, but I'm going to show up anyways, because the memories and the things that my children will remember me for are not the things that I'm thinking about right now. So it's kind of a little bit of that. And the other side of it is really just comes into self-awareness, which means that you have to listen to yourself. Not everybody you can't look at somebody else's like roadmap to self love and apply it to you because you love entirely differently. And in society, we have so much advice on how to love others, how to have really strong marriages, how to have a great family, how to have good work relationship. But the one relationship with ourself is the one that goes through the rest of time with us. Everything else are variable factors. So we have to create a focus and a core relationship with us, which means we have to figure out what we like and how we want to be wooed and how we want to be touched and how we want to experience love, how we want to move our bodies, how we want to exercise, what foods feel good within our body. If I gave what I ate in a day to let's say even my husband, he would his body would feel entirely different than my body would feel yeah. eating those, those types of foods. So it really is kind of like Figuring out what it is, who you are in the midst of all of the messaging out there and all of the inspiration and all of the motivators that kind of exist, but really tuning into what you like and and figuring out how to communicate that to yourself so that your self-love becomes action. You know, I don't love exercise. I do it almost every day because I know that it is inherently good for my body Mm -hmm. to move. And that is such an ability and such a privilege that I want to like take advantage of. But I don't love a lot of different forms if I don't love running, and i tried I tried to be a runner for like ever. <laughs> I wanted to be a runner so bad, and then I finally realized I'm just not a runner, and I need to stop trying to yeah. be a runner because I saw other people being runners. I ended up finding a, finding things that I really did love instead and and I started doing more of them and then suddenly are like, "Hey, this workout, this exercise, this movement." suddenly doesn't feel like almost like a, a form of self-hate because you really hate it so much, mm-hmm. it's actually it's actually really lovely. I You look forward to it. You start to tune into those things. So you really have to start listening to you whilst blocking out a lot of other advice and, and kind of cherry picking what works for you.
0: Right. And do you think it's okay to And I know there's so much that's jam-packed into a lot of these terms and that it can Mm. piss people off and it can cause people to think, well, what's this person like kind Mm -hmm. of co-opting this movement for? I got backlash Mm -hmm. when initially identifying with the movement and bringing it up because I'm not living in a larger body. So was it wrong to dip my toes in like I did? And does body positive end when you kind of reach a certain weight?
2: I don't see, I, this is this is kind of the problem and I think a lot of the times is that we end up in the pain Olympics. Even mm. right now, take the pandemic. Everybody's been affected, but we have what's going on with us and then we have the things going on outside that bubble and then we have to be even bigger. If we went down to like the little time, like what we're dealing with as a person, then we look at what are you doing dealing with as a family? Then what are we dealing, what is my community dealing with and what is the world dealing with? Mm-hmm. So th- it's an entire onion. And so when you your feelings are valid, like straight up who you are and your struggles, they're valid. We're not in a pain Olympics. So when you take your core stuff that's going on, it's all super, super valid. But I think what's really important is when we talk and we have language, it's really reflective of our own journey so Mm -hmm. that we aren't negatively impacting that bubble right outside of us. And then the bubble outside of that, because it can be really, really hard to I mean, have an experience with your own body, even myself, like I still exist in a straight size body. I have a ton of privilege in the fact that I do have ability. I'm a white woman in like in the suburbs. Like I have so many things that I have to be super aware of, which is. Why I tried to choose language that doesn't put me in, in a box with, those, with just myself and people of that same size, it, it's more of an all-encompassing message and recognizing that if we're going to say things like all bodies are good bodies, I was thinking on this today because I tried to put on a pair of jeans I wore six months ago and, yeah. and they did not do up. And I was like, "Gosh, if I'm gonna be out there believing that all bodies are good bodies and that all bodies are beautiful, why does this moment still suck? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: why is this still so hard?" And because, frankly, I'm still in that journey. I'm still in it. I'm gonna be in it for the rest of the time. For the rest of time, I, I could say that online, and another person would say, "You know what? I'd kill to be in that size." Yeah. And then another person would say, "I'd kill to be in your size." And then the person after that would be like, "Well, I would die to have that problem too." but we're not in the pain Olympics. And we need to kind of give validity to everybody else's experiences and understand that there are so many different levels of it. And my self-love journey and my acceptance for my body looked entirely different three years ago than it does now. And we have to allow people their own processes, I think, in order to kind of move through some of these things, even if it seems silly or weird. Like, I mean, I sometimes I'll go shopping with my sister and she'll be like really concerned about how her hips looked in something. And I'll be like, what are you kidding me? Like yeah. you look fantastic. But that's not my process to add on to her. It's like she has to journey through that and how she feels about her hips and those clothes. I can't kind of copy and paste my emotions onto her. So I think it's really important that we kind of gently allow all of us a voice mm-hmm. and don't try and shut people up. Don't try and put them into boxes As long as nobody is creating hate or harm, I think that we all deserve to have an opportunity to share our stories.
0: Yeah. So just giving people grace, giving people the time of day to let them feel how they feel because obviously they have reasons why they got there. 100%. You kind of touched on the quarantine that we're all in. And uh, I wanted to ask you because you're producing a lot of content every day. You're still up there, you know, being yourself. And it's, it's hard. Oh, yeah. Like, life is crazy right now. We've got a baby at home. I'm pregnant. Shane and I are both working. Yeah. And it's a struggle. So I want to know what is challenging you guys in quarantine? My husband, also
2: Shane, he is working from home as well. So I've been working from home for a while. This is not a new lifestyle for me. It's more that I just can't escape it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm used to traveling almost every other week. I'm I'm all over and I love having a busy lifestyle. I was a stay at home mom for 10 years. So it's triggering a lot of deep emotions in terms of bringing back those memories of being held at home and and feeling like I was responsible for the household and meals and cleaning and and I don't have capacity for all of that all the time as well as doing all of this stuff and I think that was the first thing right out of the gates was I thought that this was going to mean I had all the time in the world I was going to get everything in order we were going to come out of this quarantine better than ever. That's what I had in my head. I was going to have all the time to exercise. I was going to have all the time to clean. I was going to have all the time to like sit down and actually go through my emails. But the reality was that having all the time didn't mean having all that capacity to do it. Oh, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and within about two or three days, I think we were hit pretty hard with the reality of it, which is I am now and we are now. You know, homeschoolers. We are, you know, chefs and house cleaners. All of our support systems are gone. All of our busyness that happened in our life is now condensed into phone calls and Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. We're more still than ever. Even, even with I, I even tracked it one day. I did. Uh, I had gone on like three separate long walks, and I did like a half hour on an elliptical and um or an exercise bike, whatever those things are called. Mm-hmm. And I looked back at like my Apple Watch. Like you can see the history and. And, you know, like four months ago I was doing four times the amount of stuff. So even within trying to fit all of this in, it's just, you hit on it when you said like, this is the time to have grace. Like that is exactly the word I feel like I'm carrying every single day is just to have grace in this process because it, there's a lot of people involved and your community is impacted and. And I think we always have looked at the word unstable as such a negative thing. Like when you would say like, oh, that person's unstable or like life is unstable. I'm leaning into that word right now more than ever, because I think it's the perfect description for all of us and for, or for most of us is that we feel very unstable. One minute, you might be perfectly fine. And the next, you might be really feeling the weight of all of it and struggling to, you know, keep your job while also not overworking yourself while Mm -hmm. giving yourself the grace in your home while also keeping it functioning. It's been a lot of work and, and it's entirely new and there's no roadmap to any of this. So I think the biggest message for me, it, to, my biggest takeaway would be that there is no, gu- there is no rulebook or guidebook for this whatsoever. So frankly, we're all doing a really good job at doing something that we have zero skills and zero like rulebook to guide us through this entire process. We're navigating completely open waters that we have no idea what's coming. I think we all have to really consider that we're doing a very great job at that.
1: So, so your job is a social media influencer, for lack of a better term. I know people, some people have problem with yeah. that term. But, uh, how <laughs> yeah, I has, know, right? <laughs> how has the pandemic influenced the, your content? Like, do you feel like there's, maybe in the beginning, a lot of people wanted to hear a lot about COVID or the stresses? Or mm. is now the, is are you riding the wave where people are over it and they just want it? not focus on that? or I
2: think it's a bit of both. Like a big part of my job before was public speaking. So I've lost a lot of like that daily interaction inspiration. So I've always kind of created content coming from a really raw, real place. I think it would be completely unfair for me to just show up on the platform and acting like nothing was going on. Or, at the, or try and like stifle some of the feelings I've been having. There's been days where I'm just straight up bawling my eyes out and I have no explanation for it. Our, our emotions are just looking for somewhere to go. Yeah. But I also know there's a lot of common things that we're going through. A lot of people are struggling in their bodies right now. Even with nowhere to go, we're, we're struggling with our bodies. A lot of people are struggling in their relationships. We're struggling feeling like we're doing enough. And so I think I'm just trying to create content that is truly reflective of what my experience is because. I think we always forget that we're not alone. We always think we are because nobody talks about the things that are often hidden in the corners of our lives. But once you talk, like I even put in my stories the other day, putting my hand into a cold, dirty sink water because my (laughs) husband had drained it the day before. And everyone was like, oh my God, this is the realest moment. And I was like, see, like we all think like it must just be us, but we're all, we all do it. We are all going through it. Absolutely we all have things that are the exact same and we just forget that it's just not what we see on social media. But I will say like to that note, I'm very, I can't watch the news right now. I find it very, very difficult. So I try and experience, I try and share like my own experience through this without bringing too much harshness and understanding that a lot of people have a lot of anxiety, and I don't want to add on to it. And so I'm just like creating an experience where we can talk about life, we can laugh about life, we can share in this, this experience together, but I'm not going to add on to that with here's what's happening in the world today look at how many people died today, like I'm just staying away from all of that myself. And so that's reflective as well.
0: All right. So one last question, if you were to give tips, because so many of us are trying to find inspiration and be productive at home, even though we have to recognize that, you know, we can't make time for everything, because Mm -hmm. it's just it's impossible. What tips would you give to people who do try to want to maintain their creativity and productivity?
2: I think it's actually a really fun time to kind of dabble into things that you felt like you you never had permission to do before. Um, Imposter syndrome is, weir- is weird and it's real. And a lot of people are now suddenly having this itch that they kind of want to scratch when it comes to like whether they want to make their first TikTok or whether they want to try their hand at you know, a hair tutorial or taking really cool photos of something, it doesn't, this is the time to kind of ignore that imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and allow yourself to kind of scratch those itches a little bit and step into that creativity in in an entirely new way. Creators themselves are already, you know, their minds have gotten used to functioning in a way that is creative. And, and we kind of are now put into a box, quite literally our homes is now our new box. We're we're being challenged and instead of getting frustrated and angry and resentful about that, really rise to it. It's not normal. It's not forever. So do what we can within that time. And realistically, a big thing for me too is I'm really good at writing, Mm -hmm. but I'm not always good at like having the photos to go with it. And the fact is a lot of us have like a hundred, I don't know, maybe this is just me. I have a hundred thousand photos in my phone. I do not need to make entirely new content every single day. I can, you can recycle stuff. You can go back from a year ago and look at your pictures, find something that really resonated then, bring it back to the now. In terms of social media, we know you obviously it's being rewarded to kind of stay present on the app. So whether you come out with something entirely new and creative or you dip your toes into the past and bring it back again just whatever works for you, create a flow and and just be genuine to what that is. Don't kind of listen to all the, the naysayer roadblocks that kind of exist in our minds because you never know what might come of it. And I think that giving ourselves that grace and that, those chances to kind of try something new if you're trying something new or doing something entirely different like just go for it like what is there there's really nothing to lose when there there is everything to gain right absolutely so just go for it
0: no that's awesome and Sarah where can people find you online if listeners don't already follow you where can they where can they go to look i hang out over at the birds papaya on
2: instagram and you can find me there Uh, we also obviously i have a blog as well and the podcast called the papaya podcast if you want to hear it's usually all different types of stories from human trafficking to sobriety to mental health issues body stuff whatever it is that our guest is willing to share with us that day so all of those things. But Instagram's definitely my wheelhouse. You'll find it all there.
1: And why the birds of I always ask when it's an interesting name.
2: Yeah. um, So I started my blog 12 years ago when I was a stay-at-home mom of my two girls. I since then had a boy as well, and I named it after them because back then everyone had cutesy blog names, so I named <laughs> it after their nicknames, which is Gemma Birdie and Maya Papaya. Oh,
0: <laughs>
2: nice! <laughs> yeah, That's
0: well, Sarah, honestly, thank you so so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. We had a great time, and uh, you thank guys, you so much. Stay safe, have fun,
1: and talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks, right. bye guys. <laughs> Take care. So we're about to talk to a girl named Alessia. She is a follower. Might have to bleep out her name. This is kind of a risky call for her, she was saying, because people don't know exactly what her situation is. From what I gather, she has already had to postpone her upcoming wedding once.
1: Why was the first wedding postponed?
0: I'm not sure. I'm dying to ask her. Okay. And they had a wedding coming up now, and instead of postponing it a second time, They're going ahead with it.
1: I like calls like this.
0: I know. It's fun. So we connected today. Uh, She messaged me when she saw my poll asking if you would get married under COVID restrictions. And the majority of people said no, that they they wouldn't. But you and I were kind of down for it. So I think that's why she felt comfortable
1: reaching out. If anything, it's a really good excuse to have a cheap wedding.
0: Oh, my God. It's the best. And you don't have to, you know, have a cash bar or anything. It's great. So she said, I bet the people that are answering know that they wouldn't, don't have to make this difficult decision. And I was like, hold on, does this mean you, does, (laughs) does this mean you are getting married during this quarantine, during the physical distancing restrictions? And she said, yeah. So then I was like, all right, before I hear any more, would you be willing to come on the podcast tonight and just tell us in lifetime and she said sure
1: okay so, let's let's give this a call my interest is peaked
0: hello hey alessia this is alex and shane from this family tree podcast how are you
3: i'm good how are
0: you good sorry for calling three minutes early is this all right oh no that's fine okay so we just did an intro and told the listeners how you and i connected today and shane and i are dying for some more information so do you want to remain anonymous for this call
3: um. No, that's okay.
0: Okay. Just in case there's people clamoring to get to your would-be wedding and thinking about yeah. crashing it and getting ticketed by bylaw. I really hope not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, are are you able to have any guess at this wedding?
0: To be quite honest, we
3: didn't really look into that. I think we just um, made a plan to stick to the restrictions as best we could. Right. So that didn't bring upon any unwanted trouble
1: right that makes sense now just to back up a little bit what is the full story when was your original wedding planned how large was that wedding set to be planned and how did you end up in the position you're in right now
3: um i'll give you the short version because the long version is pretty convoluted All right. <laughs> um, basically we were engaged in may of 2018 Mm-hmm. and planned like, I mean, a fairly long engagement, I guess you could say, to be married in October 2019. And long story short, in July of 2019, my fiance was diagnosed with lymphoma Oh shit! and had to go through chemotherapy treatments. So he didn't want to look or feel the way he did on his big day. Absolutely. So we decided to move the date to april then uh, come february march we knew this was going on but kind of pushed it aside and said well maybe by this time it'll blow over right
4: Mm -hmm.
3: at the end of it all it ended up being around a 200 person wedding who all of our vendors were very gracious enough to move from october to april and now have to be told now it's not happening at all And dependent on how this all progresses even further into the future, we don't know if it'll happen at all. Of course. So it's been a bumpy ride, to say the least. Yeah,
1: this is terrible luck.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, someone was uh, on on the last pod talking about how they were thinking about getting married during quarantine times. And I was saying, like, there'd be almost a romantic quality to it. But I'm guessing you're not feeling that romance.
3: I mean, I I think I've come around to it more now. Mm Mm-hmm. But when it first started to sink in that cancellation was happening for a second time, it took a while to get over that hump of like devastation. Like, this is happening. And I know it's not just happening to me. Obviously, I I can't sit here and whine about it because I'm not the only person who had to cancel some major plans.
0: But I think that you're unique in that this is, this would be your second time canceling it. And, if anybody's, you know, needs to be more careful during this time, it's you and your fiance who likely has a compromised immune system, right? So I get just wanting to get married because that's what Shane and I did. Like we had like three month engagement just because we were like, well, let's just be married. So I get that so much. But then also you guys do have to be extra careful.
1: Absolutely. So how how does the wedding look right now? Like what do you have planned for the, the day? If have you said the day when it is again?
3: It's this Saturday.
1: Oh, nice. So uh, how's that day looking?
3: So we kind of lucked out in the sense that when we planned our original wedding, we did it untraditionally in the way that it wasn't like at a banquet hall. So we didn't book everything in one place. We Mm -hmm. sort of booked all our vendors separately. So there were certain aspects of it that like we were able to hold on to. So because it would just be Paul and I, my fiance and our photographer in one spot at one time, we were able to to agree that she would take some photos for us.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And our officiant agreed to still perform the ceremony because they knew that we would be in such a small space respecting all the restrictions. Mm -hmm. So we were able to cancel what we had to cancel and also keep what we thought we would be able to keep.
0: Yeah. Oh, nice. So then does yeah. anybody does anybody come to this wedding like family or anything like that? Well, we are having our
3: parents mm-hmm. and we each have two siblings, but two of both of his siblings are married, so their wives will not be permitted. Yeah. And my brother and sister's significant others will not be permitted. And then because the officiant will be there, our numbers are starting to pile up just with like just the logistics of it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the officiant My fiancé and I are already three people. So with four family members on each side, we're approaching a dangerous number. And then you also have the photographer, right? Right. We're trying to do it so that she could be just with us. I mean, if she feels okay with it, maybe take some photos of the ceremony, but maybe send her on her way beforehand so that she doesn't feel like there's any sort of breach on the restrictions on her part.
0: Yeah.
1: And after the wedding, do you still plan on partying your ass off just with, like, your husband?
3: (laughs) Well... Because of the whole chemo thing, I mean, the plan for 2020 was to party our asses off regardless. Mm -hmm. So, but there will be a party. After canceling it twice, I think we both feel like, not even for ourselves, but just for everybody involved, that we really want to have a party.
0: That's good. Well, there's
1: so many events just piling up. Like, uh, so many birthdays on our end are just (laughs) going by, one by one by one. Like, at first we thought maybe we'd miss one or two, but now it seems like we're going to miss everyone we know's birthday so when this is over i feel like everyone's going to go on a big vacation to celebrate everyone's birthday And in your case probably a honeymoon too
0: oh absolutely that's wild so has there been any talk about like hooking up a zoo like a, a camera and inviting people via zoom or house party or something like that or you guys are just keeping it those of you that are there
3: no we went
0: we actually went about it in two different ways Because a lot of our
3: friends connect with us on social media. So we have told them we are setting up an Instagram live and we were also able to set up a Zoom. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And is there a plan for like a staycation honeymoon?
3: Um, no. Well, (laughs) it (laughs) it gets even crazier because we had, in 2016, we planned a Europe trip. Yeah. And, uh... He wasn't my fiance at the time. We had just been dating for about a year and he broke his knee. So we canceled (laughs) that. And then because we had planned a year and a half engagement, we decided that we would go on like a honeymoon before the wedding. Right. And replan and rebook the Europe trip that we missed out on. And then obviously because the cancer and chemotherapy came right before that trip, we canceled that one as well. So... We'd really like to get to Europe at some point.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, you, I feel like you guys are both due to win like a lottery or
3: something. 100%.
0: Are you buying tickets?
3: We have bought tickets, we play them from time to time. My fiance's. a bigger lottery player than I am but we're, we're convincing ourselves that our kids are going to be rich superstars or some, something something's good's got to come through <laughs> oh, they gotta be they gotta be 100
1: <laughs> and is Paul cancer-free right now
3: he is yeah he is considered in remission yeah oh okay. great that's great and he got lucky enough that his final treatment and his final screening were like just before the bomb dropped on this whole situation oh wow yeah yeah Oh my god! That was a streak of luck there. Yeah.
1: And you have kids or you don't have kids?
3: We don't know. We do not.
1: But the kids, the future kids, are going to be superstars, hopefully. Okay, gotcha.
0: Some, (laughs) some's got to give there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Alessia, do you have anything to say to people that are considering possibly getting married during this quarantine for whatever reason, but are nervous to take the step in dealing with family and friends?
3: Uh, I'd say don't knock it. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: right off the bat
3: because I was probably like most brides out there just crushed by the idea of canceling a wedding and you know how girls are I wasn't a big dreamer about my I didn't have a big dream wedding plan but I was still upset by it but I don't know if you have good people around you and you just try to do your best and you commit to following through on plans that you actually can go forth with it it turns out to be a pretty good option. And now all we really have to plan for is a party and we don't really have to stress about anything else moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think there is some advantages to this and I'm doubling down on my statement that that you're gonna look back on this in like forty years and just think how cool it was that you got married during the historic pandemic of twenty twenty.
3: Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> well, thank you
1: for letting us interrogate you kind yeah, of here because I found this to be a very fascinating topic. And I was so excited when Alex oh, told me that this was going down.
0: I was so excited when you agreed to me just kind of coming <laughs> at you asking if you'd be on the podcast because, yeah, I've been looking forward to this all day.
3: Honestly, I love it because when I saw that number pop up on your little survey that you did, I was so curious to know if mm-hmm. these people saying, no, I definitely wouldn't do it were actually getting married or it act- had actually even been thrown into the situation so
1: what what did the nice- poll end up being was it 75% said they would definitely not get married during the
0: quarantine 47% say i do and 53% say they don't so it's close right
3: and it also it, it just always boggles my mind when people have an opinion on something that they can't really have an opinion on mm-hmm.
0: absolutely and i
3: always just think that way because i i follow your instagram account childless so yeah i never like to pipe in without any any reference any background
0: reference hey pipe in all you want that's <laughs> okay. good. i love it <laughs> okay. but again alessia thank you so much for coming on and being so open with us we really appreciate it yeah of course thanks for having me yeah, have fun right. this saturday
1: congratulations so uh, more than anything
0: yeah thank you thank right. you i appreciate it Bye-bye. bye oh no oh <laughs> We just did a great intro to our next caller, and Shane forgot to press play. Okay,
1: let's try to redo it. (laughs) So who are we talking to next?
0: All right, so next we're going to be talking to Ashley. She is a photographer out of Toronto, and I believe she just opened a studio in Montreal. And we met on the set for a photo shoot for Mother Muse. Alex,
1: you didn't just meet on the set. You were a model on the set for a magazine.
0: (laughs) I was. I was Lucy and I. Were models for a magazine And they actually used our pictures I thought we were going to get trashed
1: You know, I'm kind of embarrassed that Lou Has already been in a magazine And I haven't yet
0: Well, I mean, she does have those piercing blue eyes
1: That's not what you said last time Well,
0: that's not what you said last time How did I say it? You said, Lou's been in more magazines than me
1: You know, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit Lou's been in more magazines than me
0: Making that zero
1: for you? Yeah, I've been in zero (laughs) It's really hard. I respect actors a lot because it is hard to even be yourself mm-hmm. on command. It is. But then we had... Uh, no, you said you would pitch me to yeah, be... Yeah, ma- let me... I'm Okay, it. do it.
0: Uh, yeah, well, Lucy's got those piercing blue eyes. And who knows? I think that maybe we pitched to Shireen Jupp on... Who's the owner of Mother Muse. And we say, hey, let's do a family shoot, get Shane featured.
1: Yeah, maybe it could be like a Playgirl-esque spread for like lonely moms.
0: <laughs> I'd buy a copy.
1: No, you said I'm pitching it.
0: <laughs> I'm pitching it.
1: I'm pitching it too.
0: <laughs> no, but for real. Did you real, really
1: laugh or is that fake?
0: No, I laughed. Oh, okay. But uh, no, I'm into it. I think it would be a great shoot, a little mother muse slash family muse. So Shereen Jupp, if you're listening, All we right. got your next spread.
1: But let's get to that call, and I'm keeping all of that in, even our contrived, horrible recreation.
0: Hello? Hey, Ashley, this is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. We are happy to have you. So the last time we actually saw you, we both met you. Uh, we were just telling the listeners in the intro that it was on set for a Mother Muse photo shoot and Mm -hmm. you were absolutely fantastic I'm not used to modeling and you made me feel totally at ease and not only are you a great photographer and an established photographer uh but you do you run these studios in Toronto and Montreal yes I do they're mine
4: they're my little babies
0: that's fantastic so the one that we were at was absolutely gorgeous Can you just tell the listeners what they're called and how they can find those on Instagram if they ever wanted to book a shoot with you?
4: Yeah, so I have um, one location here in Toronto. It used to belong to my other friends, so I was associated with Lost Studios before, and then I when independent, so this one that I have now is in the east end, it's called Sol Atelier, and there's Toronto location, there's Montreal location, and I rent them out for anybody who wants to book them for photo shoots or like small little gatherings, the whole idea is that they're fully furnished and they kind of feel like a home setting. So you don't have to like set up a big scene. It's already beautiful and ready to go for you. And yeah, that's where I also do most of my shoots too. I end up shooting all my my clients here because they love this vibe as well.
0: Oh, it's gorgeous. Well, I've noticed other Mother Muse shots that were taken there. And as well, I've seen photos of Chloe Wilde, Valeria Lipovetsky, people like that who are getting their photos done by you at the studio.
4: Yeah. Yep.
0: So, so in regards to that, because I was looking the other day, you know, just at photos in my phone, and I was like, oh, man, like, this was my year. I'm never going to be pregnant again because I hate being pregnant. This was my year to actually take pro maternity photos. And I was like, who am I going to call? I'm going to call up Ashley because she's so great. (laughs) However, we're all locked in our homes with the coronavirus. (laughs) So it's tough because I'm obviously not the only mom in this situation. A lot of first-time moms I know, a lot of Mm last-time moms, they're all hoping Mm -hmm. that they would be able to have those photos done. So we want to call you for some advice for taking at-home maternity photos for people who know nothing about photography. Yeah, I have
4: quite a few tips here to share with you guys. Um, It's definitely like one of the most precious times in your life one that you like always want to have something to look back on Mm -hmm. so you definitely don't want to like miss the opportunity or like feel intimidated or afraid because i mean we're all on our phones taking pictures anyway so i I mean i'll share my few tips with you but i think all you need is a little bit of intention setting uh, a creative mindset and an open mindset and you can definitely capture beautiful maternity photos at home, I truly believe that. Awesome, so, I'm hope I'm hoping so for my yeah, stage. <laughs> oh, and you're 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 a pro. Like honestly, you're you you've done this the in front of the camera stuff before, so
0: well, thanks I feel for the like, vote like you'll, you'll nail it.
4: <laughs> so, what I would first advise when you're just thinking out of where do I even start? This is what I do with my clients, and what most photographers do when they're doing a shoot is they prepare like a mood board and they, and they use that mood board to align their visual goal. Mm-hmm. And you, that's what you, you want to ask yourself, like, what is your goal? And you can do that by just kind of learning the visual language first. So pinning together some images or however you like to mood board them. I like using Pinterest because you could grab stuff from all over the internet, even from Instagram and save them to a board and what you're looking for when you're gathering these photos is scenery, like what can I use? So you're looking at other, you're pinning maybe images that are also done in like a home setting. Mm-hmm. So you can get ideas for, oh, that's how they would like shoot near a window or that's how they would shoot sitting on a couch. And then you're also looking at posing. So you want to get some posing ideas so that you don't feel like you're stuck when you're just like, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then once you have some images that have the your general, like, aesthetic and it's realistic to what you can do at home, like, you can then say, okay, now you can move on to the next step, which is figuring out where. Right. (laughs) So you have your little goals of what you want it to kind of look like. And then in your home, you want to be mindful of your light. Mm -hmm. So usually you want to find the best room in your house that has the – Uh, The best room being the room with the most natural light from a window source as opposed to artificial lighting and lights. Um, Lighting is the difference between a really flattering or unflattering photo. So usually I personally work with natural light. If you find a window, you're going to be good. And then you can look at your info to see if if you play around like with different angles, like beside the window, totally in front of the window. So all the lights pouring on you on from the side it'll create really nice nice shadows and then look at also your inspo imagery and be like I wonder how was the light being used in that can I replicate that oh she's obviously standing right beside maybe I'll try that so that's how that's kind of like where I would find your room and and then you want to typically I think simple is best so maybe you want to think about your surroundings simplify them a little bit Think about, like, maybe you want to bring in a, a mirror or, or, like, a beautiful rug from a different part of the house and kind of, like, create your little studio in mm-hmm. that area. You can mm-hmm. use props such as, like, dried flowers, something for your, to give your hands something to do. And just kind of have it all ready to, like, assemble your scene based on your mood board. Awesome. I like that. Then another part is knowing what to wear. Mm-hmm. So you can also look at your, when you're creating your mood board, think of that too. Just be aware of like, oh, I like this photo because she's wearing this. And I like to tell my clients, go for something that's earthy toned or whites or creams. It's classic. It'll be timeless. It's soft. It's natural. It doesn't take away from the emotion of a photo nice. uh, and then you can play with textures and layers so you can um, like have a little peak of skin or belly and have like for example like a bralette of some sort but then layer it with like a longer cardigan soft material and then you have those two different textures and then it has a nice beautiful contrast. Uh, you could also use like a, a beautiful billowy dress. And if you're sitting down, you can like crinkle it in areas and really play with shape. So you can have a bunch of items on hand and use your mood board as well as kind of what you also love being in, because that's communicated, that that feeling of I love what I'm wearing is communicated through the camera. So if, if you're wearing something you love and say you're just like, you prefer to have, wear your like, playful flamingo pajama set <laughs> like go for it like yeah. that's gonna that's the essence that that's probably what of gonna be part of your deciding of your goals in the beginning I want fun lively photos so keeping in mind what you love what you feel looks comfortable and what fits you best is great and part of creating that magic too I think
1: Four Instagram husbands taking the photos, so presumably <laughs> yeah. Alex would pick her outfit out, her mood board. She'd kind yeah. of give me the idea. What do you think the number one mistake these husbands are are making when taking the photos?
4: <laughs> oh, I don't like to think they're making
1: mistakes. <laughs> I like to think Happy they're like accidents. a cheerleader
4: trying their best, you know? <laughs> and I think if you can, like definitely get your your husband or – Somebody uh, to come in and do that for you because it can be super frustrating if you're just doing a self timer mm-hmm. or if it's then you get you you do a pose and then you have to get back out of the pose and you're going back and forth. However, if, if that is your only option, you can this is a nifty little trick just take a video and then you can do like some slow movements in front of the video and then you can go back and watch your video and do like screenshot it where you
0: really like it. Genius. Yeah.
1: Oh, I never thought that. of that before. That's a good little trick. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. Yeah. I really like oh. that. And would <laughs> Yeah, what is the best? Like we have a point and shoot camera, like um what is it, Shane? It's
1: a, called a power shot. It's a Canon PowerShot. G seven X, right. yeah.
0: Yeah. So so many iPhones are great nowadays too, but if somebody has a camera and an iPhone, would you suggest they go the camera route or does it does it not matter you think?
4: It's a. If you feel confident using um, your DSLR, mm-hmm. advantages to using the DSLR would be if you wanted to create more of a, a moody photo and take advantage of using a lower aperture setting, mm-hmm. which is something like the iPhones don't do very well. They do like that portrait mode, but that's like they're trying to be like a DSLR. Right. I would honestly say if it's not if if you don't feel comfortable doing that, stick with the iPhone. The iPhone adjusts great you don't have to think about lighting it it adjusts to it so well and then you can do those little tweaks almost in your editing and it'll and the editing will make up for uh, what you thought would be making it artsy by using a dslr
0: okay and then for background is there any other little tip that we could use to maybe like i have a white sheet that sometimes i hang up Mm -hmm. um, for just like a clean background very rarely but i like to do that is there anything else that you think would make for an easy clean look like that sure yeah you could use curtains Mm -hmm.
4: if you went to like near your window and kind of just like had some neutral curtains you can play with like standing near them or if you wanted to take them down and kind of like sprawl them like on the floor and create like a a sea of curtains uh you could do that (laughs) i've seen interesting things done with rugs People, like, have hung, like, if they have a beautiful, like, Persian rug, kind of put it on the wall, and that is almost the backdrop. That would be wicked. Yeah. Or layering, like, art. Like, you can, if you have some art, like, I have art on canvas.
0: When you flip it around, and it's just, like, the bracing. Right. That also kind of looks neat. I never would have thought of that. We have a lot of art on canvas. That is a really cool idea, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you have any last tips that you think you'd share with the average mom trying to get a maternity photo done
4: I think the main thing is you're just coming into it with like an open mind and feeling playful and just giving it a try and be open to like surprise and in the in the end like you're creating beautiful memories and there's all sorts of little tools and people out there who can like give you some advice or or little videos but like don't get lost in all that's out there like just go for it no for sure if you do have any questions you can always ask like a a pro or something I somebody reached out and asked me something they, they weren't sure of hundred I'd I'd say like this is what I would recommend or if they're like I don't know which app to edit this on I'd be like oh use Cisco it's like free and they have great filters use like your community too at this time we're all here that's the beautiful part of, like, about this weird isolation is, is, is that there is a great sense of community and everybody's willing to help each other out so if there's any questions or doubts or anything just reach out to you know a friend or or like a or a
1: professional.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely true. And speaking of apps, what editing app would you suggest to the common person who might be overwhelmed by something like Photoshop or Lightroom?
4: I think if you're familiar with just the normal editing, like editing in within Instagram... I think that's very simple and easy. You can take it a a little step further with VSCO or Visco. I don't actually know how people like to pronounce it. And it's free. They have very nice filters, which I like because you can sometimes it just gets the coloring really pretty. You can choose the strength of it. And then it also has those um, same functions as uh, editing within Instagram, like the brightness and the sharpness and the shadows and the contrast and all that.
0: That's fantastic, and Ashley, where can listeners find you if they want to go check out some of your photos for their own mood boards?
4: On Instagram, I live on Instagram. I answer my <laughs> DMs. I am Clash K L A
0: underscore S S H. So just holla and and yeah. That's amazing. Ashley, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight and for all your tips. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try it and uh, I'll give you a tag. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> you you yes, can grade I my skills. I would love to see.
4: Absolutely. I would love to. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a True pleasure and enjoy the rest of your night. Oh, you too.
1: You will, you too. Take care. All right, let's end the show with some questions. Let's try to fire off through these. These are leftovers from our last episode.
0: All right. So, first question. Actually, there are several that have to do with this. So, when Shane put out the call asking for listener questions, I had about seven come in uh, asking about your particular hairstyle that day. because you had just kind of gotten up off the couch. I believe, you know, maybe you had been lying on one side. But it was very reminiscent of something about Mary. So, who is in charge of cutting hair during quarantine?
1: I don't cut my hair. I don't I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't care about haircuts.
0: Nobody in our family is cutting anything. Shane doesn't care. Grown it out. Lucy, I mean, she doesn't have enough hair to cut. And me, grown it out. If I do anything, I might do an attempt for the internet to go a little blonder but who the heck knows we'll see
1: you're gonna do a box dye
0: in well you know what i got word on what like avenues i can take that aren't box dye that are higher quality that you can get through online beauty salons like what do you call them like wholesale beauty places that the stylist would go to
1: what would you say if i dyed my hair
0: i would love it if you dyed your hair blonde I think it would be so funny if the whole family had uh, blonde hair for quarantine or something like that. I think that would be a blast.
1: All right. I'm in. I'm just worried about damaging it.
0: Yeah, but at least it's short enough that it can grow out and, you know. Cool. Uh, Okay, what is your favorite YouTube channel?
1: Favorite YouTube channel?
0: I like John Krasinski's channel right now, Some Good News. That's also the only one I know.
1: Things I YouTube a lot are just like, I like Nathan Fielder a lot. I YouTube him, but I don't know his channel, like... Yeah, I'm not a YouTube person.
0: Yeah, neither am I. That's why John Krasinski's some good news. And other than that on YouTube, I really only look up baby turtle videos for Lucy because she's really obsessed with seeing baby turtle documentaries. All right, thoughts on different types of pizzas, thin crust versus stuffed versus deep dish.
1: Okay, so for deep dish pizza, I can only eat that once a year. But when mm-hmm. I do, it's Chicago style deep dish. And I, I love it. It's just, it's so much cheese. If you were to eat it too often, you'd probably, li- it would lose its appeal. It's um,
0: it's a like a three-inch tall cheese pie, essentially. But
1: if we're asking like favorite regular pizza, it's Domino's, Cracker Crust, which is a thin crust. I think they changed the name from Cracker Crust to Crunchy Thin Crust, it would appear. And I get extra sauce on that with pepperoni and green olives. It is the best pizza, most consistent pizza that you can get. And there's also a great pizza at Moody's Mm. that uh, do not get... In Hamilton. Yeah. If you're in Hamilton, do not get the Big Pep pizza because they put honey on that pizza and honey mixed with marinara sauce. And honey mixed with pizza sauce is disgusting. Get the classic pepperoni. We fucked up and got the Big Pep last time and it was disgusting. But the classic pepperoni is great.
0: It's funny because the first time I ever tried a honey drizzle on my pizza or like a hot honey drizzle... I liked it because I think it took me by surprise and I was like, ooh, I can do this again. Got it again. Hated it. Totally over it. One time thing. I like a savory pizza.
1: Sometimes I do like the stuffed crust from Pizza Hut. Again, that's a rare thing. Mm -hmm. I I want pizza so bad right now. but
0: (laughs) We just had ribs and I also had a hot salami sandwich on top of the ribs. So I couldn't imagine having a pizza right now, but we will soon. Sex drive in pregnancy. I had zero and thought I was alone and the worst wife. Definitely not alone. We talk about things like that frequently on here. And I mean, my drive is up, but it's it's typically up anyway. I think a lot of people, it, it just fluctuates. And I, you know, as you get bigger too and less mobile, I mean, I remember mine going down with Lucy and I, I imagine the same with this pregnancy, but definitely does not make you a bad wife or a bad anything i mean if you're not feeling it you're not feeling it, that's the bottom line but if you are feeling it then get to it if you know all parties on board that's exciting but yeah just try to show intimacy in other ways if you can and if you're not feeling that that like, try to connect on another way whether it's through other you know intimate stuff or through just doing other activities altogether. What do you think, Shane?
1: My sex drive is probably lower during pregnancy.
0: I'm not asking about that. Oh,
1: what? What do you? Sorry, what do you want my input on?
0: I guess if uh, somebody's, if a woman's sex drive was lower, would you ever like when she was pregnant or something? Would you ever consider that a negative thing, or would you? No, because my sex drive's
1: lower too during pregnancy.
0: I don't want to talk about that. Why not? Because it pisses me off. Alex,
1: <laughs> why can't I say my opinion?
0: Because it makes me feel bad. Why? Because it makes me feel uh, unsexy.
1: No, no, my my drive isn't lower because I find you less sexy. It's lower because I'm not used to, like the closer we get to having Betty, the more I'm thinking about. That, and you know how my mind is, the mm-hmm. more I think about what's coming, the more I obsess and stress over it. So my mind is, like, it's not like I'm J Oing more or anything.
0: See, that's what I always think. My thought is that uh, your drive is lower with me, but normal.
1: No, no. I uh, My drive is probably the lowest it's ever been in my entire life right now because I am overwhelmed. Mm-hmm right right now and I'm uh I'm constantly thinking and I'm always planning and uh, you know I've got a million projects on the go right now mm-hmm. and one of those projects is thinking about how to sustain everybody like yeah. that that's the biggest project of all I'm just like okay having another baby how are we going to make this work like it's it's hard for this household to run with just Lucy and we have so much help and yeah we're so blessed in so many ways and and i'm thinking how are we gonna do it with betty i know we will do it
0: yeah see in in my mind it's just that things are because of you know whatever reasons of me being pregnant and then you still have your own life in that regard that i'm just not a part of and that's why it causes me so much anxiety and then i get really anxious when it comes to intimacy and persnickety maybe bitchy when it comes to that?
1: You're not bitchy. Well,
0: oh, I feel like sometimes when it comes to intimacy, I can get moody or bitchy or like a no, you just upset.
1: I think you put such a priority on it that you're into playing a blame game where mm-hmm. you treat you're, you treat me no differently than I treat you but you don't like the behavior that I'm giving you towards sex, even though it's the same behavior you're giving me. And then you'll act like I'm being apathetic towards it when you're being just as apathetic towards it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, well, you didn't make a move. It's like, well, you didn't either. And, yeah, no, and I, my whole thing is too, I don't like talking about sex. I either like doing it or not. <laughs> but the bad thing about talking about sex, if, if it's just like if the conversation is, why haven't we had sex? It's like, try me. Yeah, you know, if if the the conversation surrounding sex is let's have sex, then we probably will. But if it's why don't we have sex more often? It's like that's such a negative tip to start off with, and it's so blaming and accusatory that I just I don't appreciate it so much. That it's even more of a turn off than and, and you're anything saying, and else. And you're
0: and you're totally right. And I become accusatory because I do just assume that you're still carrying on without me. And then that makes me, it makes me angry.
1: I swear I'm not, uh, don't mean mean to be crass, but jerking it.
0: (laughs) No, it's, that's good. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that we're having this talk. And I'm glad, (laughs) and
1: I'm glad that our parents listen to this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I was kind of sitting on that though, that thought in my head and a little bit of that resentment. For a couple of days this week and then i hadn't looked at the questions though and then going through the questions just now as i am uh thank you i'm not gonna say your name thank you anonymous person for asking that but yeah well that's settled now to change lanes completely if you were a doritos what would your flavor name be
1: so when isn't that plural
0: if you were a dorito flavor
1: cool ranch
0: you said that with so much confidence you even had a little shoulder motion i like it
1: it's because i feel like cool ranch is a dorito that can taste pretty good Mm -hmm. instantly like it's one of those like the first five cool ranches are awesome yeah but it can wear on you over time where then (laughs) you just don't like it at all and i find i'm that type of person where i can come in and out of your life and there's certain moments that call for me and then there's certain moments it's just totally inappropriate
0: no, I like that, and that—that's a hard kind of truth that you're speaking from.
1: And it's a—it's a way I like to be. Rather than have a hundred percent of people like me, I like to have ten percent of people love me. Right. And that's the Cool Ranch Dorito way.
0: I like that. What's the one where it's uh you, you get one and it's normal, it's normal, and then it's super spicy. I'm so let's just call it mixed
1: bag Doritos.
0: I think I'm mixed bag Doritos. In the sense that, not that I'm unpredictable, but in the sense that, I mean, you want somebody to hold you while you're having a panic attack and be your mother, I'll do that. You want somebody to hit the town, I will find the sluttiest outfit in my closet and hit the town harder than anybody you know. You want somebody to be a wholesome, wonderful Mum and family person natural you know so I think mixed bag I can serve it all up
1: I agree with that
0: well I'm glad we can agree that was good alright um,
1: how many more we got
0: just a couple alright this is something that we have talked about before but I'm always down to reiterate do you think the saying your marriage shouldn't be the most important your child should be is true Shane you hit it off for the both of us we're on the same page with this
1: Yeah, I think the marriage is the most important thing. And then the rest will fall into place kind of in, let's just say, 18 years, even though kids stay in the household much longer than 18 years, especially nowadays. In 18 years from now, you and I will still have to deal with each other. Yeah. Like every single day, whereas Lucy will be off living her own life, trying to find her person that she spends the rest of her life with. And yeah, like Lou will float in and out of our life. Hopefully, fairly regularly, but we're with each other every second of the day. Mm -hmm. When you know when we're not working,
0: and even to get her to that place where in 18 years she's on her own, making her own decisions. You and I are making the decisions in the household for our kids, for each other, for the betterment of the house. So if we're not putting each other first, and you know, not letting each other build up resentment towards each other, or hate each other start to really annoy each other in a a deep-seated way that can't be fixed then nothing is going to run as you want it to so I do think it is so important to put your spouse first and my mom always told me when I was like young (laughs) and first started like you know having boyfriends and then especially you know when you and I got engaged and closer to our marriage she was saying Alex remember the biggest thing that you can know going into a relationship and especially a marriage don't be a bitch don't be a bitch to your boyfriend don't be a bitch to your husband and she told me that before you and I got married not to be a bitch to my husband because it gets you nowhere it gets you nowhere as a couple it gets you nowhere as a person if you're trying to grow and be a better person and then it gets your partner nowhere because then you're not willing to meet them halfway so I think that's really good advice. The rest of the questions, Shane, uh, just have to do with your hair.
1: What about so it? What are just how saying?
0: silly it looked that night. So, for, Like, read these off. All right. What happened to your hair? Double question marks. Who's your hairdresser? Laughing face so hard it's crying. Nice hair. Laughy face. And then another thing about hairdressers.
1: Well, okay. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Uh Okay, the thank you for listening to
0: this Family Tree Podcast, Podcast episode 36. 37.
1: What is it? 36. 6. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.